We've had a great opportunity. As I said, this is week nine in the Wisdom series. Week nine. Nine weeks we've been in Wisdom. Hopefully everyone's feeling a little smarter, a little, a little better. Um, if not, I, we, these are on YouTube. You can go back. You can double dip on them. It's okay. Um, but today we're going to be talking about something that kind of builds on all the last few weeks. But before we do, I think it would be prudent that we kind of review our primary series text, which is Proverbs 1, 7. And in light of Pastor Sam continually doing this, I think we should do it. Let's read it as a congregation, if that's okay. So Proverbs 1, 7. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I love it because I studied this text. You know, I'd, I'd heard Pastor Sam speak on it for a few weeks, and then he asked me to speak, and so I started doing a bit of deep dive. And I love that true knowledge there because it's not talking about Einstein's knowledge or you know, about physics or about the great things of the deep. It's actually very experiential knowledge. It's knowledge about how we experience life. And when you read the book of Proverbs, so much of Proverbs, if you've been doing the chapter a day, as we talked about uh, this, this month, kind of reading one chapter, because there's 31 chapters and it's just a good fit. If you've been doing that, you realize there's so many sections of Proverbs that talk about the marketplace, how to do business, how to do relationships, marriage, kids, my word, I could use a few more chapters on kids. I mean, it goes through so many experiential things because this is the kind of knowledge and wisdom it wants you to reflect on, is how we experience and do life. And today, if you remember right, the weeks before we talked about the fear of the Lord, we talked about pride, the wise, the foolish, the mocker, the simpleton. We talked about friendship with Pastor Kerry. We talked about cultivating contentment, which was one that kind of hit my heart a little bit. Maintaining a biblical perspective of work, which hopefully hit some of my teams. No, we're, we're great. Um, also, we talked about generosity. And you know, I love how generosity is an aspect of wisdom, but I'll be honest with you, generosity is an aspect of spirit-filled people. You read the book of Acts, and it's about generosity. It's God's generosity of pouring himself out, and from him pouring out, we pour out. Generosity, man, I could go, I got a timer. I got to stay on track. Um, we talked about giving to the Lord and his work. And today, when we, we bring that all together, it brings us down to this concept that we're going to talk about today, which is integrity. Integrity. And it's the importance of integrity. Now, what's unique is that when we think about integrity, some of us think about the workplace, some of us think about our marriages. Some of our minds automatically went to our browser history. And what I want to challenge you today is I want you to think of integrity as not as something quarantined to one area of your life, but I want you to think of your life as a life of integrity. In the workplace, it's said that 79% of workers, 79% of, Pastor Doug, you want to take this stat down, this is important. 79% of workers admit to stealing or consider stealing from their employee or employer. 79%. That would never happen here or at North Point. But that's a scary statistic. $600 billion a year lost from theft. And these are integrity issues. As I even studied education as an educator, what I realized was this, that if you have an undergraduate degree, 65% of the people with an undergraduate degree confess that they cheated at one point. Now, no one from North Point was in that survey, so don't worry, because that would never happen at North Point. And you know, even Dr. Lidbeck has encouraged that we get AI software. And I said, there's no need. North Point students would never do such a thing. And he's like, well, let's get it just in case. And so we did. 
because we're, but we're confident it'll never be used or flag anything, right guys? Yes, that's right. Because we're a people of integrity. But today I want us to focus on Proverbs 10.9 as our key text for today on integrity. And it says this, the one who conducts himself in integrity will live securely, but the one who behaves perversely will be found out. Again, the one who conducts himself in integrity will live securely. The one who behaves perversely will be found out. And what's interesting is that word integrity there, what it means is it's whole, it's complete. That there's space and the space is filled. It's, it's solid, it's honest, it's true. And what we want to understand is it's like this. If I went to a contractor and I said, I need you to build me a house, I have $300,000. It's not going to be a big house in today's market, but it's a house nonetheless. The first thing he's going to do is say, well, we need some land and we're going to pour a foundation. And imagine if he said this, Trent, we just poured the foundation and I have great news. I was able to save $7,000 in the pouring of the foundation. And I'm like, great. How'd you do that? We left it and made it full of air pockets. <laughs> saved a lot of concrete. And I'm like, but isn't this foundation what's going to carry the weight of my house? And when the snow comes, the weight of the roof and the snow and everything? And well, yeah, yeah, but you got to understand, you saved $7,000. I'm like, but is the concrete secure? Ah, $7,000. I mean, anyone with the right mind would say, no, I don't, I need this to be a thing of integrity to be able to hold up its weight because if not, it's going to be found out. It's going to be exposed when the weight comes and when that time shows up. And that's what this verse is telling us and kind of unpacking for us is that it's going to happen. And, and Proverbs loves to do this. It loves to have what we have in the literary device calls a cause and effect. Like, do this, get this result. If you remember a few weeks ago, we saw Pastor Sam speaking on pride. He said that pride comes before the fall. So do pride, get a fall. And here we have the same thing. It's have integrity, live securely. But behave perversely, it's going to be found out. But that perversely, I think it's important we understand, it's not a perverted sense. What it means is somebody, there's a path that's straight, and it means that you're kind of wandering like this around the paths, moving in and out of the path. And it's saying that you're going to be found out. It's going to be exposed in time. I know for me, it's kind of like this. If you plant a seed, you get that type of seed. And one of the things we always say at North Point, a seed replicates after its own kind. Plant an apple seed, get a, there it is. Plant an acorn, get a, there we go. I threw you a little curveball and you did it. Um, anybody say acorn tree? Okay, moving on. Um, but what that means is this, do integrity, live securely. It's as simple as that. You know, it takes me back to when I was younger. I grew up in the Philippines. My parents were missionaries there. I was 15 years old and it was quite often that we'd say this, like, hey, mom, dad, I want to go down to the mall today. Me and my friends are going to watch a movie. We're going to hang out, get a piece of pizza at Sabaro's. Anyone remember that? It was the hang. Shows you how old I am that we went to the mall and hung out at Sabaro's. But we would go there. And it was inevitable. My parents would say this. Now, we lived in a city of 14 million people, so we had public transit. We were only about 12 miles away, but there's no way my parents would drive us because of traffic. It would be about three hours for them to go there and back. 
And they would say this, okay, Trent, you can go, but here's what we need you to do. We need you to be home by 10. And I'd be like, yeah, I got you, 10 o'clock, I'm on. At 10, 10 it is. I'd be like, no, Trent, I need you to understand something. Not 10.02, 10.01, but 10 o'clock. I'm like, I know, 10 o'clock, I, I got this. They said, Trent, you can come home at 9.30. You could come home at 8. But you have to understand, you have to be home before 10 o'clock. I got this. I know. Take my taxi or my bus to the mall, hang out with my friends, watch a movie, play some laser tag, have some, you know, I was a cool kid, played laser tag and ate some barros. But it was inevitable, it'd be about, I'd know that I gotta be, I should get to the, I should get my taxi around 9, 9, 9.05 to play it safe with evening traffic. And it'd be about 9 o'clock and I'd be like, well, I got five minutes. And you all know what's happened because it's probably happened to you. Five minutes turn into 10. And then I'm thinking, okay, you know, if I hit every single light right, and somehow, Lord, you caused a miracle like the parting of the Red Sea. And I believe in miracles, Lord. And I believe you want me to do this. So I think I can leave at 9.35. And I, I, it, it could happen, Lord. It could happen. And 9.35, I'd make my way to the taxi stand. Inevitably, you know what happened. Well, if you've been there, you know. You get to the taxi stand, it takes five minutes to get there, and then there's a line of people for the taxi stand. And suddenly I'm enraged that, don't these people understand? I gotta be home by 10. <laughs> and I'm watching people talk to drivers. I'm watch then I finally get in my taxi. It's, it's 45 before I pull out. I got 15 minutes to make it home. And I have, I don't have Mario Andretti, I have Granny driving the, I mean, she's letting everybody go. She, I've suddenly got Jesus driving my taxi, not plowing over pedestrians, not, not pushing through lights, but waiting, letting every car possible cut in front of them. And I'm enraged, I'm livid, because, and this is before cell phones, I couldn't preload the conversation with my parents. And I, I tell you what, I was not living securely in that taxi because I knew I was about to be found out. Because you know what happens, you walk home and that door opens up and this happens. <laughs> Do you know what time it is? Like, yeah, it's 10.20. What did I say? You gotta understand, Dad. The traffic, it was the worst ever. I've never, my taxi driver was a numbskull. Uh, he just, they let everybody go. Uh, the guy cut in front of us, we missed the light on Etza. You, don't you know the light on Etza. You know how long, that's like seven minute light right there. And then the taxi stand, there was like 20 people in front of me in the taxi stand. And he goes, what time did you leave the mall? I was like, I don't think you're listening, Dad. <laughs> like the traffic, you don't understand how bad it was. It was horrible. I was like, what time did you leave? I said, I don't know, like 9.45. He's like, 9.45, yeah, around, and he goes, you're grounded. And I'd be, I'd be angry, I'd be, and, he, and, and my dad would always say this. Who are you angry at right now? Are you angry at the taxi driver? Are you angry at a country's traffic? I can tell you who you should be angry with. And I knew the answer. I still don't like the answer, but I knew it because I was experiencing the cause and effect for my lack of integrity at that point. And I think it's important that you know that I was found out and I experienced the consequences of my lack of integrity. 
And this is important because security follows integrity. I was not secure. You know, some of you, you live your life in a very insecure state. Anytime the boss says, uh, can you come down to my office? The whole way you're wondering, what's this about? What's going on? Because you're wondering, is this the moment I'm found out for something? That was my whole high school career when a principal said, uh, can you send Trent Roberts down to my office? It wasn't, it was more worried about what am I going to get caught for this time? And there was anxiety where now if I get a call from someone, I'm kind of like, I wonder what they need. Let's do this. I feel a lot more secure. Meaning that if you got on my computer, if you got on my, my emails, if you, if you followed me for the day, there's not much that I'm, I'm embarrassed of. Well, there's some things, let me tell you. But not that I'm ashamed of. I'm living a little bit more secure now than I once was. Now, I do think it's important to note that walking in integrity does not mean that you've arrived at a sinless state. This is really important. What it means is you know the path and you are striving to walk it out. You know it and you are striving to walk it out. I don't want you to think that you're disqualified because you don't hit the mark of 100% every single day and every hour. But it's about knowing the path. And I mean, Paul the Apostle says this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, No, 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 I beat my body and make it my slave after I have preached to others so that I will not be disqualified for the prize. So even Paul the Apostle recognizes, he recognizes that I can preach the message, I can know the standard, but I still am subject to bringing myself under control and saying, I'm going to live according to the standard that I know. Just so you guys know, you won't naturally be a person of integrity. How do I know this? I have three children. And my wife makes cookies. And for some reason, they always show up just before dinner. And no matter what we say, the impulse for a cookie always trumps mom's command. And the amount of times those kids are lured into the kitchen at that time by the odor of the sweet cookie, I can't get them in there any other time, they're there. And I say, no cookies. Guess what? It's, it's going to happen because you, you're going to make a choice for it. And what it comes down to is integrity is a choice. And just so you know, when you encounter someone that has a high level of integrity, you need to understand something. They made a lot of little choices in a lot of other areas of their life that made them that person of integrity. It comes with work. Even Paul the Apostle has to say, I have to bring myself under submission because my natural default setting isn't always going to be just to do it. But I have to choose to position myself in the place to do it. You know, I'll make a small confession if that's okay. And I can only make this because I know half of you are as guilty as I am. I have a speeding problem. In the cities, I'm fine. Manila, that's where I got my license. That's where I learned to drive. I can do traffic in the cities. You put me on that expressway, though. Something happens. I turn it to Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll. I, just go, it ha I, am, I wish I could say I wasn't, but I'm about a 10 to 15 over guy. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. Reel it in. Reel it in, okay? Wow, wow. 
remember, we're talking about integrity, okay? <laughs> but something happens when I'm on the expressway, but you know what happens is when you go over that hill and you're going 10 to 15 over and up about a mile ahead, you see a car, a little silhouetted car in the median. What do you automatically do? Oh, you just hit that brake. The front of your car just piles down. And you just, you put on your worship music, telling the kids, just wave and smile, it's good. Why? Because you see, the potential of a cop is there. And, so, and what's amazing is that cop changes the way I live. The mere presence of the cop forces me to reassess what I'm doing. He forces me to look down and go, ooh, that's wrong. I'm about to be found out. And I hit my brakes and I, I bring it back down to a good five to, I'm a five to seven guy at that point. And like I said, remember, go back to my, pre you don't have to do, you, it's not about perfection. It's about striving. And I'm getting five to seven is a big improvement for me. <laughs> but that presence of the policeman controls the way I act. And what's amazing is just like that, the Holy Spirit, his continual presence in my life suddenly causes me to live differently and assess things differently. When I'm getting ready to make that Facebook reply, and I get that, I look up and I see that silhouette on the hill. I'm like, ooh. Start putting that backspace in. And that policeman, if I dare say, puts the fear of God in me. Going back to week one. The understanding that my actions are judged by a standard. And when I see the person with the power to inflict the judgment, I change my actions quite quickly. The key is making sure when I don't see the silhouette to keep it in five to seven. And I have a wife to help me with that. Thank you. Love you, babe. Yeah, you should thank her. She's, she puts up with a lot. So how do we gain this integrity? I think this is an important element. How do we gain it? And I want you to be clear. The development of godly integrity, it begins with knowing God. This is key. You're not going to get godly knowledge without God. And the world's going to offer you, and our culture and the media will offer you countless ideas of what knowledge is, what wisdom looks like. But what we're talking about here is godly knowledge. And the development of that, it begins with just knowing God. Kind of like what was spoken today. When you spend time with a person, you develop their character. To move into the secret place with God. This is a vital word that's given today. It actually goes right along with what we're talking about. And these things aren't planned. But this is, a, this is an essential part, to know God. Hosea 4.6 says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That means marriages were destroyed, relationships destroyed, families, jobs were lost, financial ruin came, children grew distant. Everything starts to crumble. And you know why? Because it's found out. It doesn't, it's the air pockets in the concrete. It can't support the weight of life. And it's exposed. And it crumbles. So how do we gain integrity? First, of course, knowing God. Secondly, gain knowledge. 
gain knowledge. Now, what I mean by this isn't just the go buy a book from your Amazon wish list. Because I'll be honest with you, if you come to my house, we have a shelf of shame that has different diet books on it. And I bought them with the intention of assuming that my purchasing of the book would somehow magically remove weight from my life. <laughs> it hasn't worked, and Amazon said that wasn't good enough to return it for. So I have a shelf of shame now that I deal with. And just as much as with the diet book, it, purchasing that won't make me lose weight. Well, guess what? Buying a Bible and setting it on your shelf will not produce knowledge. It'll come back to the very word that was spoken today. To take that time in the word of God. To read, to learn, to inquire, to be in a community, to join the Grow class online, to become a member. To say, I want to be a part of a small group. I need to grow in my knowledge, in my community. I'm going to encourage you to make efforts not just to independently grow in knowledge, but to become collectively and corporately growing in knowledge with us on this journey. I love in the book of Daniel, it's really interesting because Daniel introduces us to four key characters, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you don't know their story, I encourage you to kind of go peruse it. It's a great story. Um, Persia has just taken over Jerusalem, and they've, they've taken these four Hebrew children captive. But these, they, they, they picked a unique breed of children. Because what they do, they are the essence of integrity, what you realize later on. How they hold fast to the words they know. A fiery furnace, they say, we're not going to worship anyone else. Put us in the fire. We'll take the fire. Because our God will save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we know he's God. And we won't bow down. Daniel, thrown in the lion's den. Why? Because he chooses to stay his course in prayer. But in the beginning chapters, in chapter 1, it talks about Persia's expectations on what these young men would be who wanted to serve in the king's palace. Listen to what they said was important when they chose the people to take captive to work in the king's palace. It said, firstly, this is Daniel 1.4, we want young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed and quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Now, what's interesting is there's two distinctions there I think we need to make. Well-informed is the first one. Well-informed, when you look at the original text, which at North Point you can do now because we're starting a minor in biblical languages. If you're interested, please contact Dr. Lidbeck. But well-informed actually means knowers of knowledge. So they wanted young men who were knowers of knowledge. I love it. Secondly, though, they were quick to understand. And what's unique about this one is that the original text is this. They were understanders of knowledge. See, there's a difference. There's a key distinction here. Even ancient Persians realized people who had knowledge and people who understood knowledge. You know, we have never been in a time where the access to knowledge, there's more knowledge at your fingertips literally ever in your existence. You want to know anything. Last night, my dishwasher broke. I watched 17 videos to realize I need a new dishwasher. <laughs> because I don't understand it. 
but the knowledge is there. And what's amazing is we can easily become consumers of knowledge and yet lack understanding. We can lack understanding completely about the things of God. And so I want to encourage you, don't be like me when I was 15 getting busted for showing up late. Because see, I had knowledge about 10 o'clock. I knew 10 o'clock was the standard. And I was upset with my parents because I didn't quite understand things. You know, I didn't understand that at 15 years old in a city of 14 million people, there's no need a 15-year-old boy needs to be out past 10 with the dangers of crime, prostitution, increased exposure and temptation to drugs and alcohol. I should have been very thankful I got to stay out till 10 because I didn't understand how a father sets parameters on his children. I didn't understand how a mother covers her children with love. It's not restricting it's protecting. I didn't understand these things. And now that I'm older and understand, it's a lot easier for me to, to step into obedience in that area. So how do we gain integrity? First of all, knowing God. But then after that, gain knowledge. Secondly, gain understanding. Seek out to know why. Begin to inquire and make sure it aligns with the scripture. Make sure it aligns with the heart of God. I love what the psalmist says in 119. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to the word. So gain knowledge of the word. Gain an understanding of the word. Gain knowledge of his presence. I think it's really important, especially here, that it starts with knowing him, as I said. It all begins with knowing him. And I want to make a distinction here. It's not knowing about him. It's knowing him. Not about him. But having his living presence in you. And about you. Spending time with him in the very places the prophetic word spoke of today. John 14, 21 says this, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me, beloved by my father, and I too will love him, and I'll show myself to him. 